If you would, take your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We've entered into uh, probably one of, uh, probably my favorite times of, of the year. Uh, it's a time of, uh, for me, a great time for many reasons. Uh, the food is one big deal at this time of year. Sometimes I'm sitting there eating and I wonder, why do we only eat this at this time of year? Like pumpkin pie. Like why? Why is it I'm only eating pumpkin pie? Uh, one or two times a year. It makes absolutely no sense to me, uh, you know, and uh, many other desserts like that. Um, you know, turkey. How many of you eat turkey outside of the month of November? I mean, really, uh, no, just the weird ones. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, but really, not too many people, we, too often we eat turkey outside. We eat a lot of chicken, for some reason that bird, but not the turkey. I don't understand it. Uh, you know, the food is, is one, one t- reason. Um, college football is at its height right now, right? And uh, we're coming down to the end. It's kind of sad for that, but college basketball is beginning um, right now. And so sports, is a bi- it's a big time this year, uh, this time of year. Uh, you know, Christmas concerts and recitals, uh, seeing our kids you know, perform um, or serve the Lord through music and all the practice that goes into to that. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. We can hear somebody else's kid, you know, play an instrument, how terrible it is. And then our kid does the exact same thing, and it's amazing to us, right? And, um, you know, if you were to record your kid, somebody recorded your kid, and you would listen to them live, you think how great it is, and then you hear the recording, you're thinking, wow, that's pretty rough. And uh, somebody needs to teach that kid something. But, but you know, getting together and having those music, and, uh, and then, of course, this is the time of, of sickness and illness and coughing and all those type of things going on. And for some of you crazy people, it's starting to snow out and cold weather is here. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's just a great time of year. I mean, it is just amazing all that's going on. And we look forward to Christmas time and family gatherings. But, you know, really, the, it's the great time of year because it's the time when we celebrate the coming of Jesus. We enter into what many call the Advent season. It's those weeks leading up to to Christmas. The, the word Advent means coming or, or visit, and we use that term um, in regard to Jesus uh, coming, anticipating the coming of the Lord. And when we talk about the church and the days in which we live, we live in between the, the two Advents of, of Jesus. And we look back in celebration of the Savior and His birth, and we look forward with great hope or expectation of that second coming or that second Advent. This morning we find ourselves in Luke chapter 1 and we go to Luke because it is actually, it actually starts earlier in the Christmas story than any of the other accounts and it starts with the announcement of, of John. Luke as a historian, gives us the time and the setting of our Savior's coming in the world. In verse number five, he tells us there in chapter one that we are in the, uh, what is known um, in the time of Herod the Great, the king of Judea. And so he sets up this historic setting of the forerunner that is coming of the Savior's birth. Now Herod, that's mentioned here in verse number five, um, was the beginning of the Herodian dynasty. And after him would be several more Herods that we'll read about in the Bible. As you study his life, you learn that he is a descendant of Esau, but you also realize that he was, he was ruthless. He was a wicked man and uh, very cunning. 
He was used by the Roman army to rule over the Jewish people with tyranny. He actually slaughtered uh, most of his own family because he was paranoid. They would try to take his power and his authority from him. And when Jesus was born, it was this Herod, the Herod the Great, that called for all the babies of Bethlehem and in the coast of that time, two years, and, two years old and under, to, to be slaughtered. And as we study this time in Israel's history, we'll see it was a very dark time. But though it was a dark time in the world, we see God's light shining brightly. They were under the Roman oppression, but here in Luke, we see the light of God shining through with the announcement of, of John. Sometimes it's easy to look at our world today and see the darkness. It's easy to look to see all the the, just the difficulties, just to see the wickedness. And, and we see it more and more in these last few years and the different wars and the slaughters of human people that are going on around the world. And, and sometimes we see that darkness in the moment and our heart breaks and then we kind of go back to just to life in general. All around the world, the, the darkness is still happening. The wickedness is still going on. The murders and the wars are still going on. And yet, we go back to this, the everyday aspects of our life. That's what we see in the days in which Jesus was born and the days in which John was born. They had studied the scriptures. They, had, they know that the Messiah is coming one day. And, and, and they were anticipating with great hope the, the coming of the Messiah but they're back to normal life. Everyday life is, is just happening. But I want you to understand in the midst of our everyday lives, in the midst of the wickedness and the darkness that is all around us, God is still at work. You know, I love hearing about souls that come to Jesus Christ and are being saved, churches that are being started, missionaries going to, going to the field. Jesus told his disciples, you're going to be the light of the world, and by extension, we are to be the light of the world in which we find ourselves, and there is no better time to shine as the light of Christ than, than Christmas time. There's three parts to our text this morning that I want you to see, and I hope that it'll be an encouragement to you as you see the light of God shining through in Luke chapter 1. Father, thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who was born, Lord, that born to die on the cross for our sins and was placed in that tomb, but three days later rose again in victory, offering eternal life to all that will come and receive him as Savior. And I pray today that you would encourage our hearts, Lord, in this world that we live in, Lord. May you encourage us to be a stronger witness, a stronger light shining in the darkness that is this world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In verses 5 through 12, I want you to see, first of all, the appearance, the appearance of the angel. Look with me. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, and of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they both were righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless, and they had no child. Because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken 
and years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without the time of incest. We're introduced to a priest by the name of Zacharias. And the Bible tells us that he's offering prayers and incense. And then the angel appears to him. His wife, her name was Elizabeth. And, and the Bible tells us they were both stricken in years. Basically, the Bible's way of telling us that they were, that they were old. That's a, good, that's a good way to say it, isn't it? Instead of calling people old, we can tell them they're stricken, they're stricken in years there. Uh, I don't know if that's going to go over any better, really. You might as well just tell them they're old. But they were godly people. Notice what it says here. They were godly people serving the Lord, and they had no children. Zacharias is taking care of his responsibilities as, as a priest. And, and the Bible tells us that Zacharias was there uh, performing his duties um, there as a priest, offering incense and prayers. And the people were outside. The multitudes were waiting for him to come out. And they were waiting for him to come out and pronounce the blessing of God. I want you to notice here the people that are involved. Zacharias, this priest, he's the, the, the um, priesthood at that time was broken into groups or, or what the Bible calls courses because there were so many priests in those days, but there was only one, one temple. And so what they would do is they would take turns uh, going to the temple and they would perform different duties. And the Bible says the lot that fell to Zacharias was that he was to offer incense and, and prayers. Zacharias, when you study that name, means God has remembered. God specifically tells us that Elizabeth was also of the lineage of, of Aaron as well. And the Bible, or when we study her name, her name means God is my oath. And so when you put those two names together, remember Bible names have great meaning uh, for us. When you put those two names together, it means God has remembered his oath or God has remembered his promise. As we consider Christmas this year and, and each year to come, we should be filled with the joy that God has kept his promise. He sent the promised Savior. As he, as he came the first time, the Bible tells us he's going to, to come again. But as I mentioned, these people, the Bible says, were righteous people walking in the commandments of the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that they were, they were sinless, but these were people that loved God and, and served God. And they were past childbearing age and without a child. Now for us, that might not be a big deal, but back then, for a woman to be barren, as the Bible says, would be considered a reproach of men. I want you to notice verse 25, if you would, what the Bible says. Thus had the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. You know, Zacharias and Elizabeth were, were serving God, and yet they were left without one of the great blessings in their culture, which is a child. And so some would believe that that was God's judgment uh, on them because children were a gift from God. Um, but I don't want you to miss the point here. All throughout those years, the Bible says they were stricken in age. So basically they are old in age. They serve the Lord. They weren't given a child. Others brought reproach upon them. Maybe they were mocked. 
and ridiculed by those around them because they didn't have any children. But the Bible says they were righteous. They served the Lord. They didn't say this isn't fair and, st fair and stop serving. They didn't stop going to church or worshiping God. They, they, they didn't justify their, their sinful behavior and living for the world. But they both walked in his ways and the Bible says they kept his commandments. Can I tell you today, God knows where you are. He, he knows what you're going through in your life and he has a plan and a purpose for you and everything that's going on in your life. We need to keep ourselves right with the Lord. The, the simple truth is we need to come to the scriptures and, and learn what God says and follow him. That's what Zacharias and Elizabeth did. Despite living in a sinful world, in a sinful community, being oppressed by the Roman government, despite not having the children of their own, uh, which is seen as the blessing of God, they simply stayed faithful. They faithfully served the Lord. This trial for Elizabeth wasn't something that, that just happened for a moment, but this went on for years in all of her adult life. And yet she stayed faithful. She stayed faithful to God. You know, it's amazing to think God was about to do something amazing in Zacharias and Elizabeth's life. But they didn't know it. You see, we look at it and we read it from this perspective. We see what God was about to do and, and what God was about to accomplish, but they had no clue what God was doing. My friend, can I tell you today, you have no clue what God is going to do in your life tomorrow. You have no clue what God is going to do in your life next year or who God is going to help you lead to Christ or how he's going to help you encourage other people, how he, he's going to use you to do great things for God. But unfortunately, we have so many Christians we, we look at the circumstances of our life and we're concerned about this world so much that we become bitter and angry. We stop serving God. We stop being involved. We stop having the joy of Christ in our life all because of the circumstances. When God calls us simply to be, to be faithful. I don't know what you're going through or what you're going to go through in your life, but I do know that God is faithful and God has a plan for you you know, sometimes we don't know if or when God is going to work, and we don't even know how. And maybe in this life, we'll never know the why. But we do know God, and we know that He is faithful, and that we can simply trust in Him. Notice the occasion, Zacharias is doing his service. He would offer the incense and prayers and the people, and then he'd go outside and pronounce this blessing of the Lord on the people that, that, were, that were waiting. You know, it's, it's amazing to me their perspective. They were waiting for Zacharias to come out and give the blessing of God upon them. I wonder what they would have done if, if Zacharias would have come out and pronounced judgment against them um, instead of God's blessing. We, we always expect God's blessing. That's what we expect, God's blessing. We can live however we want, we can act however we want, uh, but we want God's blessing. And, and how, do you, how do you know that, that these people were not necessarily serving God, but yet expecting blessings? Uh, because in just a moment, the Bible is going to tell us they weren't living for God. And many of them, through the ministry of John the Baptist, are going to be turned back to the Lord. And many of them are not going to receive Jesus because of their wicked hearts and their sinfulness. That, their, this community, uh, the nation of Israel, had 
turned away from uh, righteousness and, and the things of God, but yet they're there with their hands out expecting the blessings of, of God. And, you know, we see that same mindset in our world today. We want to live like the devil Monday through Saturday and show up on Sunday and expect God to, to bless us because we praised him for just a moment uh, of our week. We gave him just a morsel of our worship in our life, and we expect God to do all these things for us. And that's what, that was their attitude. We're just waiting. We're just waiting. You know, we come to church and we love uh, the preacher to stand up and, and tell us how much God loves us and wants to care for us and provide for us and bless us. But we don't like when, God, when, the, when we have to stand up and preach on our immorality and our fornication, our unrighteousness and our wickedness that, we're, that we have in our life. Hey, our, our lack of faithfulness to God. We, we don't want you to preach about those things. We want you to come out after you prayed and after you studied. We want you to come out and just give us the blessings of God in our life. And that's what, is, that's what the scene we see. Zacharias is in there and he's offering prayers and incense to God. And everybody's just waiting. Come out and, and just give us the blessings of God. How foolish we are so often uh, in our life. In verse 11, we see um, the, the supernatural uh, appearance that is going to, to take place. And in verse 19, the Bible tells us that this is Gabriel that appeared unto him. But Zacharias saw him and was troubled. Look with me in verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Zacharias was troubled because he didn't know why the angel was there. Many times the angels of the Lord would come uh, to pronounce judgment. And, and though he was living righteous in his life, he understood he was a sinful man. He understood he wasn't without sin in his own life. And, um, but people throughout Scripture seem to tremble when the angels appear. Now, the point I want you to understand is that this is, this is breaking what is called the, the 400 years uh, of silence. The 400 years between the Old Testament uh, and of Malachi, the ending there in Malachi and the, the beginning of the story of the Savior here in the New Testament. And it doesn't mean that God didn't speak during that time, but he didn't give us any revelation. But listen to these words in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. This is the fulfillment of that. And when Zacharias was praying, no doubt he had prayed for God to send the Messiah, to send the, the Savior, to send the Deliverer to, to the world. And so what Zacharias was seeing was the fulfillment of what he had studied and read over and over and over again. And so we have this appearance of, of the angel. Uh, you know, I want you to notice, Zacharias had no clue what was about to happen, but yet he stayed faithful day by day. You know, that's what God calls us to do. We kind of live our lives off the big moments, right? If you were to open up your calendar, um, we kind of live our lives by the big moments. It's the, it's the birthdays, it's the anniversaries, it's the, the, the big holidays. All of our life is scheduled around, you know, the big days. But do you understand, in between all of those big days, graduations and weddings and childbirths and funerals. In between all those big days, they're just days. They're just regular days. And this was just a regular day for Zacharias. Just, and he was faithful. He was where he was supposed to be. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. 
And that's what God has called us to as, as Christians. We want to be a part of the big and the glamorous, and, and we struggle with just the, the daily faithfulness of God. We see this great, this miraculous appearing of this angel. Number two, we see the prophecy. We see a prophecy fulfilled and we see a prayer answered. Look at verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, I'm sure that for years, Zacharias prayed for two things. I'm sure, I'm sure that he prayed for a son and I'm sure that he prayed for the Messiah to come. You know, God always keeps his promise. And we see a promise here fulfilled. God promised in the book of Malachi that he would uh, send a forerunner for the Messiah. But there's also a prophecy in Isaiah. Listen to these words in chapter 40. John, um, a prophecy of John. He says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. In those ancient days, whenever the, a king was riding out on a road, they would have someone that would go before for two purposes. One, to smooth out the road, but the other to, to make way that it was safe and, uh, and there was no harm for the king that was going to come. And so John the Baptist was the forerunner for the king. He was preparing the way by preaching repentance of the people and turning their hearts back to the Lord. God always keeps his promises. And so Zechariah Zacharias would know um, that God was keeping his promise. He would know Isaiah. He would know uh, what it said in Malachi. But I want you to know also that God always hears our prayers. I love verse 13. Your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. People are always saying, you know, I don't think God hears my prayers or God is not listening um, when I cry out to God. And, but the truth is, is God always hears our prayers. What we have to come to understand is that he answers our prayers according to his will and his timing. We want it according to our will and our timing, but God knows what we need when we need it. And so what I've come to understand is that I simply, I can trust him. I can trust him in my, in my life. God might delay from our human perspective, but that doesn't mean he's denying us. And God might deny us because he knows what's best for us. So, so often, we, you know, we pray for loved ones for years to come to the Lord or for years to get right with the Lord. And, and so we need to trust in the Lord even in those years, in those days, in those months. The Bible tells us, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, one of the, the great blessings of reading this is that God finally answered Zacharias and Elizabeth's prayers. For a woman not to have a child, for her not to give her husband a son was a big deal. And no doubt she prayed for that. And Zacharias prayed for that. And they, serving the Lord, being right with God, were praying for the coming of the Messiah. 
And so we see there the promise fulfilled and the prayer answered. We also see here in verse 15 the character of John. John is mentioned, he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. Don't miss that. I, you know, I was reading that. I, I read this passage many times as I was getting ready for this sermon. And I, was, I, was start, I got to verse 15 and I started thinking about John being great. John being great. But you know, it doesn't just say John is great. He says he's great in the sight of the Lord. Now, as you begin to study this, many of us would not look at John and think he's great. I mean, the Bible does not give him a great description, all right? I mean, the clothes he's wearing, the way he looks, the things that he eats, many of us would be turned off, all right? Um, if, when we, if we bumped into John, this would not be somebody who's like, wow, that's a great man right there. But you know, that doesn't matter. The Bible says that he's great in the sight of the Lord. Can I submit to you today, it's better to be great in the sight of the Lord than in the sight of men. We, we so often strive to, to be accepted by men and to be seen as great in the eyes of men. And the sad truth is many are willing to, to sin, willing to sacrifice their relationship with God, their righteousness, their holiness, all for the approval, for the approval of men, for to, to be great in, in, in the sight of men. But there in that verse, the Bible tells us that he was great in the sight of Great in the sight of the Lord. True greatness is greatness in the sight of, of the Lord. He was to be a man that had a heart right with God, to be set apart. And the Bible says he would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And that day, remember, the Holy Spirit would come upon people for a specific purpose. And that's what we see next. We see the ministry of John. He's to preach the message of repentance these people had gotten away from the Lord and now his job was to prepare the way and, and to help turn their hearts back, to help prepare them for the coming of, of the Messiah. Because here's, here's one of the big issues in life. We want, we want God to do something great. For them, they wanted God to, to send the Messiah, but they weren't ready for it. They, they, were, uh, they were living off in their own world. You know, we see that all throughout Scripture. It made me think about Moses. Could you imagine being in Egypt? You're, for generations, you're enslaved. No doubt they prayed and sought God to, to get us out of, this, out of this slavery. And here Moses shows up. And Moses says, all right, God's going to lead us out here, out of here. Uh, are you sure about this, Moses? Are you sure this is really what God wants? And we really know that's their attitude because as you read the story, multiple times they said that. Hey, listen, why are you bringing us out here to die when we could just, uh, you know, die in Egypt? Or it's better in Egypt than it is out here. That's kind of their attitude over and over again. They weren't ready for what God was going to do. We see that going into the promised land. He sends in the spies and they say, really, do you think God wants us to go into that land? Because there's giants in the land where it's grass, grasshoppers in their sight. But there's Caleb and Joshua saying, listen, God can do it. God can do it. And that, they had to turn their hearts back to God. And this is the same thing in, in uh, the day of John the Baptist. They send, God sends G, John the Baptist to prepare the way because the people need their heart to be turned back to God. How do I know that? Because he says that's why he's coming. That's why he's coming. One of the big struggles that so many people have in this world is that we, we have to get right with God or we have to get our life right and turned around before we can get right with God. See, we have, we have that thing backwards. 
Well, so many people, well, you know, God's not going to do anything. God's not going to do anything in my life until I get this straight or I stop this sin. And whatever. Listen, you're not going to stop those things until you get right with God. And so John the Baptist is coming preach. You need to turn back. You need to turn back, preparing the way. And listen, many did. But as you read through the, the times of Jesus, many didn't. Because he came into his own, and his own received him not. And, and, but John was a forerunner of Jesus, and his ministry was to come. And the people had gotten away from the Lord. Many churches today are doing nothing for the gospel, nothing for the cause of Christ, because they've gotten away from the Lord. They're selfish, they're immature, both physically and spiritually. Life is all about them. We're consumed upon ourselves, and we've gotten away from the, the Lord. And the message that we need to hear is you need to turn back to the Lord, turn back to serving God, turn back to trusting God. Listen, God is a God that keeps his promises. God is a God that answers prayer. God is a God that is still working in this world. And our responsibility is to serve him. And so who did God work through? Did he work through the Pharisees or did he work through Zacharias and Elizabeth? The Pharisees are running around proclaiming their righteousness and how great they are and how wonderful they are and, and how close they are to God. And yet God did not work through them because their righteousness wasn't true righteousness. They were worried about the, the praise of men. You see, they weren't great in the sight of God. They were great in the sight of men. But Zacharias was faithfully serving God, and he would, God would send John the Baptist, who would be great in the sight of God. And so we see here the appearance, we see the prophecy of John the Baptist, and then we see, number three, the silence. The silence. It's a very interesting um, and quite humorous, actually, story as you think about it. Here these people are, and I'm proclaiming their faithfulness to God and uh, how much they love God and they're trusting God and they're praying to God. And then in verse number 18, the Bible says, Zacharias said unto, unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Basically, what he's saying is, how is this going to happen? There is no way that I am going to have a child in my old age. Now, here's where I struggle with Zacharias. I'm just going to be honest with you. This guy obviously knew the Old Testament. He knew the story of Abraham and Sarah. And he knew that God came to Abraham and said, listen, you're going to have a child. And he came to Sarah and Sarah did what? She laughed. She's like, there's no way at my age am I going to have a child. But yet we find them in the same place. You know, throughout the scripture, the Bible says that Israel needed a sign. Israel needed a sign. Over and over, Israel needed a sign. And so in verses 18 through 20, we see he is going to be silent because of his of his unbelief. As he was talking to the angel, notice what he says there. How am I going to know this? For I am old. Verse 19, the angel answering and said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee th these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not. Thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Gabriel says to him, don't you understand? I am God's messenger. I've stood in his presence and he sent me to give you this great news that you've been waiting for. He sent me to tell you that your prayers are answered. You prayed all these years and now 
you don't believe? He should have believed, first of all, because he's talking to an angel. He should have believed, secondly, because he knew the scriptures. But most importantly, he should have believed because he knew God. He knew God. And he has seen over and over God fulfill his promises. And so he's going to be silent because of his unbelief. Notice what he says in verse 21, and the people waited. And so we see the people waiting. The people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And so the people are waiting there. They're waiting for this blessing for, this, uh, for Zacharias to give them from God. And then the Bible says they marveled. They were amazed that he could not talk. And the sad thing is, is they believed that he saw a vision. They believed that he received something from God, and they marveled. Obviously, something happened. And yet, they're still not going to believe. They're, they're still going to turn their backs on God. They're still going to turn their backs on, on the truth on the, the coming Messiah here. The sad truth is, is that they were waiting for God to bless them, waiting for God to do something. And in their stubbornness, we're going to see in the coming chapters that they, this should have been a time when, wow, God is working. God is fulfilling his promise. God is keeping his, God is answering our prayers. He's keeping his word. And isn't God amazing? And let's turn our lives around and, and serve him. So we see Zacharias' unbelief. We see the people failure to turn to God. Really, they marvel. They want, the, they want the big explosion. They want the big miracle. They want something great to happen to them. They miss the point. But I want you to notice finally Elizabeth's joy. Elizabeth's joy. Verse 23. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and did and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach from among men. You see, Elizabeth understood God's blessing on her life. You know, we oftentimes want God to bless us, and then when he blesses us, we think, Look how great we are, how, how amazing we are. Hey, look at how, how, awesome I am because God is, is blessing me. You know, many of us, if we were old in age and we've been reproached and mocked and people ridiculed us because we didn't have a child, we were barren and, and, and we were kind of looked down upon. And let's say we were 100 years old and we were with child. We would have been in people's face saying, hey, look at how amazing I am. Look at the blessing of God in my life. Let me see you have a kid at 100. Let, you can't do what God, what, God's not doing in your life what he's doing in my life. Look at how amazing I am. But that's not what she did. The Bible says that she hid herself for five months. But she focused on the blessing of God in her life. Because you see, it was God that took away her reproach. It was God that gave her this blessing. And, that, and her joy was found in the Lord. We get joy from, from men. We get joy from the praise of men and, and, and the appraisal of men. 
And she got her joy from the blessing of God. What brings you joy in your life today? You see, my joy is found in Jesus Christ. No matter what heartache I have in this life, I have joy because I'm a child of God. No matter what this life brings, whether what it gives me or what it takes from me, my joy is found in Jesus because I've had my sins forgiven and I have, I have eternal life and I'm, I'm part of the family of God and I get to sit, I will sit at his table and I will spend eternity with, with him. In this flesh, I have no greatness. Paul tells us that in this flesh, in this life, I have nothing to glory in. Well, if you want to talk about it, he says, listen, I'll tell you how great I am. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. My lineage is better than your lineage. I've done more religious works than any person has done. I've done more great things in the eyes of men than anybody has done. And yes, it's all counted as dung in my eyes. It's all worthless. It's all worthless because my joy is found in the Lord. Only what's done for Christ and what Christ has done in me, that's what brings great joy. You see, we struggle at this time of year because we look at what we have or we don't have. We look at what others have that we don't have. We, we look at the circumstances of life. And so we have these great struggles in life and, and, and we become bitter and angry at times and, and depressed and, and we're upset and we lack joy because it's in the things of this world. Elizabeth's joy was found in God alone. Notice her joy wasn't found in the child. Her joy was found in the God that gave her the child. Her joy was found in the God that gave her the child. You see, the truth is the child could be taken away one day, but God would still be faithful to her. What's bringing you joy in your life? We live in a dark world. There's no doubt about that. You turn on the news, you're going to hear about people being killed, bombs, wars, difficulties. You're going to hear about inflation. You're going to hear about a lot of different things in life. A lot of bad things in this world. But God is still working. And God is working in us, but he also wants to work through us. I hope that my testimony, if God was to write about my life, was he was righteous. He was godly. I hope my testimony would be that when people looked at my life, he was doing the things that he was supposed to do. He was serving and sacrificing and, and just doing the job that God had given him to do. Day by day, just faithfully serving faithfully serving the Lord. And so when God was ready to use me, the testimony would be, look at what God did through him. Not look what he did, but look at what God did through him because of his faithfulness. God has a plan for all of our lives and he wants to use us to be his light in this world. It might be today, but it might be tomorrow. It might be next year. But he simply called us to be faithful today. 
You know, Elizabeth, for years, didn't have a child. And one day she was given a child. But you know, I believe, just from the testimony that we have in Scripture, that before she received that child, her joy was in the Lord. Her joy was in the Lord. Because notice what it says. It didn't change anything between her and God. When that child was given to her, what did it change? It changed the perspective of men. The reproach of men against her was changed. You see, I don't think that child changed anything in Elizabeth's life. It just was another reminder of the faithful God that she served. And that's really what it should be for us. When God blesses you, it's just another reminder of the faithfulness of God that we serve. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change how much we serve him, how much we sacrifice, how much we do, how much we give, how much we love. It's just another reminder of why we sacrifice, why we serve, why we live for him, why we worship him. But so often, those are the things that cause us to serve or not serve. Zacharias and Elizabeth served simply because he was God. And they trusted him.